This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, there's the known, and then there's the unknown. And then... There's what we think we know going into an NFL season. It is Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Paul Kelly C. Darren Urban, Cal Odegaard. There's the offseason, the rapidly approaching preseason, and then what that all means for the regular season. And then there's the Cardinals offense that, uh, guess what, Uh, is unique in a lot of ways in the NFL. And if you look at what happened a year ago with certain quarterbacks entering year number three, oh, Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, and then you had Lamar Jackson all securing their first playoff wins. Is that the next step, the next chapter for one Kyler Murray? We have gathered here today to talk about this offense and this quarterback as we enter 2021. Kyle, you've got something to say. No, I, th- I think it's it's a good point. Like, what is Kyler Murray going to do in 2021? And it's going to be a huge determinant of how good this offense is. And looking back at last year, it's kind of a chicken or the egg question with the passing game. Was, was Kyler Murray not advanced enough scanning the field and making his reads and figuring out where to go with the ball? Is that why they weren't super efficient passing it? Or was it because the receivers weren't that great? And we look at it now, they've got better receivers with A.J. Green and Rondale Moore, and Kyler Murray's a year more experienced. So if that passing game takes that next step and is ab- above average this year, then yeah, I think the offense is going to be really good. But that's the big question. In year three, is that jump coming? I found the quote. Sam Acho, all the astute and the wise one, Sam Acho, former Cardinal, uh, he was on the big red rage in the offseason. And, okay, as a guy who's defended a number of NFL quarterbacks over the years and has studied NFL quarterbacks for a living, we asked him about Kyler Murray because he says he still follows the Cardinals. He's still an avid watcher of Cardinals football. And here was his quote on the big red rage. Kyler needs to grow in reading defenses. He can't get trapped by defensive coordinators. And he cited the New England loss in particular, Belichick, and that staff, and he said like a young Russell Wilson, he needs to up that part of his game, end quote, Sam Acho. I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I think that's a a version of what we've all kind of been saying, Uh, whether it's, you know, Kyle, you know, previously talking about, hey, they can't uh, rely, he can't be relying too much on his legs, even Kyler said that, and and the rest of us just talking about, you know, what kind of weapons he has and and where they kind of go with this offense, because realistically um you're 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 only going to be able to upgrade those skill positions so much on a yearly basis and what you're paying and everything and you know deandre hopkins is your number one receiver and he's going to be that guy you know the the biggest jumps you can make 
that fit within the salary cap are, are going to be Kyler Murray's advances as a passer. And I, and I think we all know that there are things that he can get better at. I think he knows there's things he can get better at. And, you know, that to me, when you guys talk about making that jump in year three, that's where this all hinges is, is how much more effective can he become as a passer? And uh, if he does do that, then, then yeah, they could have a playoff appearance. Kurt Warner put it as follows. He needs to make more layups. Kyler Murray. There can't be 10 or 12 wow plays that the Cardinals offense is dependent upon per game. Five or six is reasonable, rational, is feasible, doable. But if he's going for double digits in terms of the wow, the Kyler being Kyler sort of plays, that he needs to stay in the pocket, take what the defense gives him a little bit more this year. To Kurt Warner and his explanation on the Big Red Rage in the offseason, that is where he improves specifically. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'd categorize it as layups because I think layups he can do. He can do the quick pass. He's accurate. He knows where he's going. It's it's more of the intermediate game that I want to see the growth in. And to me, that equates more with like a, a mid-range jumper, maybe a free throw, something where it's not a, a layup, a given. It's it's something that's a little bit more difficult. And if he becomes good at the the intermediate game, then that raises the ceiling significantly because like you said we know he's got the wow plays where with his legs he can turn something from nothing a lot and he's got a great deep ball like he's accurate and his arm strength is great he's got all these physical tools and now if it's just like you said the five-step drop reading getting to his second uh, target and, and making the throw and getting the 12-yard gain that to me is the big change because you look at the metrics and the intermediate passing game for the Cardinals last season was below average, and that's what hurt them the most. So I think it's it's not necessarily the layups to me. It's that intermediate passing game, and if they get that going, then this offense can really take off. I, I, I see – I look for some consistency in that area that Kyle is talking about. I, I two, two games come to mind for me when it comes to that. One was the win in Dallas where obviously he had the bomb to Christian Kirk that – talking about the nice deep passes but he only completed nine out of 24 that day and no one thinks about that because they won and he had a couple of shiny plays but again there wasn't the consistency and then the other one was I remember him missing Larry in the back of the end zone I mean when I think of that Dallas game I think of him airmailing fits in the back of the end zone and then and then I go to the Carolina game where he completed all the layups but there was only like 130 yards of passing out of 24 completions because you know, again, you're there. Just wasn't there's not that that intermediate game. There, there's either the layups or or the deep ball, and that's that. I agree with Kyle. That's kind of where I see it. So K one needs to be CP three at the elbow. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. You need Chris Ball, the mid range game, fourth quarter. Game. There he is, boom, mid range. The NBA is either feast or famine, three points. So he went and developed a mid range game, and you know what? Honestly. Considering the way most of the defenses approach the Cardinals' offense, especially in the second half of the season, talking about Sam Acho and the adjustments that were made, I mean, Kyle, you tell me, how often did the Cardinals see two high safeties, a lot of zone coverages underneath, some mush rush going on, mm-hmm. and, and then it was up to Kyler to try and read and react, decipher and discern, okay, who's the open guy, where am I going with this ball, and until they adjust to that adjustment – guess what? They're going to continue to see it. Yeah, that's been the MO a lot where, like you said, the two high safeties and not letting 
uh, you guys do the big play against us because, like we said, they haven't shown consistently doing the five-step drop and getting the 10- to 15-yard pass. Once you do that, teams can't play too high safety or cover four and just move back because you're consistently getting the ball into that 10- to 15-yard range, moving down the field, and then you're going to force a defense to change. But, yeah, I mean, it's certainly the blueprint. Play back, play the, the five-man line of scrimmage so you take away the zone read and have very specific things you're making this offense do until they beat it. And once the Cardinals do that, then a defense has to change. But you're right. I think down the stretch, team week after week after week, they did the same blueprint and the Cardinals couldn't handle it. So I think the Cardinals know what's coming when the season starts. Everybody knows what's coming defensively. And they've had an offseason to look at it and try to attack it. And now it's a matter of going out there and showing that we can beat that and and maybe just having more electric playmakers where you get the ball to Rondale more and he can he can get more yards. Maybe that helps too, where if you're playing two high safeties back, you don't have a lot of guys near the line of scrimmage. So when we throw that bubble screen, if it's more effective this season, that's another way to get teams out of that. Remember what Drew Grigson uh, told us, the director of player personnel on Rondale Moore and just his ability to make guys miss. He teleports. It's just not the lateral quickness, but uh, so we're all very intrigued by that. There's no doubt about that. That's definitely going to be worth a watch in the preseason. There's been far too much agreement so far here, though, on Cardinals <laughs> Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You so now for the beatdown then, Paul? Now we get into the more salacious where we disagree when I bring up Kyler and his legs. He called him a luxury in the offseason. I'm on the record as saying, look, he's a passing quarterback who can run. He shouldn't be a running quarterback who will throw, a la Michael Vick. I'd like to see him run far less and pick his spots, have it be his choice versus design runs. And I think Darren has some buy-in on that, and I'm pretty darn sure we have zero buy-in from Kyle on that front. Well, what have we been talking about this whole time so far? The intermediate game hasn't been working yet, and – if we go into next season and the intermediate passing game is super efficient, then I completely agree with you where he doesn't need to run the ball. But the proof is in the pudding the first two years. They haven't done it consistently consistently yet when you look at the passing numbers. So if your passing game is not above average, your running game has to be. And how do you get there? With Kyler Murray running 10 to 12 times a game. You don't get there without Kyler Murray's legs, and that's that's where I stand on it. Until your passing game becomes above average, you need Kyler Murray's legs. See, to me, it's the run game that needs to be above average, and then that'll take the onus off Kyler. Okay, great. How do you make the run game above average? Well, Kyler's legs. That was part of the design in the offseason, wasn't it? Bringing in Rodney Hudson. Bringing in a straight-ahead mauler run blocker like a Brian Winters. Bringing in James Conner and trying to have the one-two punch to different type running backs. I think you will see a different type of straight-ahead, more power run game. Sean Kugler being elevated. You want 2018 with a non-mobile quarterback running I-form up the middle? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying now you... How'd if that you, work out? If you want luxury, then you do have that ability. of The straight-ahead power run game, you're coming off the ball. They might know what's coming. They still can't stop it. Plus, Kyler, when he sees the defense has its back to him, he pulls it and runs. I feel like if people could see where I sit, I sit in the table here in the radio studio and with Kyle and Paul on either side of me, it's like a tennis match. And right now they're just hitting the crap out of the ball at back at each other. And I'm just kind of watching it back and forth. You, you are the net judge. I am the net yeah, judge. Yeah, you know, and, and he's going to yell at you like John McEnroe here, I mean, here in a minute. You look, know? I, I, 
I you see, jerk! I see where both you guys are. You cannot be serious. <laughs> That's what it is. That was um, the all timer. Uh, you know, I, I, I see where both. Answer you guys the are. question, <laughs> you jerk! I see. I see where both you guys are coming from. I mean, uh, essentially, uh, what we've always talked about with Kyler and his running ability is, is that's that's what makes him special. I mean, I, I don't yep. know if he is just special. As, as a thrower at this point in his career, and, and maybe he gets to that point, but he's not Tom Brady, so he does need to run. But I, I understand where Paul's coming from, too, and and and, and I am hesitant. I, I was somebody who was like, okay, when I watched this guy as a rookie and I saw how easily he got down, and I'm like, wow, he is really smart. And he and, and that, he, that hasn't changed. He is really smart when he's running, and yet he still got banged up. So, and, and if you're going to say, well, then that's just the game, I, I don't disagree but uh, that is a concern because we all saw what this team looks like when Kyler is not on the field at all. And so I, I agree from the standpoint of they need to up their – they need to make have a better running game, but I agree with Kyle. They need to have a much better passing game. And I think, to me, that's where the key to the season is. This, this, the key to the season is how quickly can they up this passing game to the point – where perhaps it can get to where Paul's talking about, where maybe you run a little less. Because with all due respect to, to Kyle here, he's not saying he's always got to be the super runner. He's saying until you get to that passing game, he's got to be that runner. Well, here's your chance. You're in year three. Let's let's get that done. Let's let's see it though that first month of the season where you guys have made that those strides. And if it's not there, he's he's going to have to do some things to be more effective. And I don't know who that falls on more whether it's cliff or kyler but we'll see well when he hurts his shoulder again all right it's at kyle odegaard uh you can go ahead and contact kyle when he when they start kyle six and three odegaard. and they finish two and five because oh what's the hinge point in the middle of that the pivot point is the quarterback hurting his shoulder in seattle hello and everything sort of changed from there did it not uh guess what that is the risk reward in running him the fashion that you're suggesting yeah, and like I said, if if you're not throwing the ball at an above average clip and Kyler Murray is not being used on the ground, does it matter if he's healthy? What's your offense doing if Kyler Murray isn't running? I mean, you you have one of the top two most electric quarterbacks running the ball in the NFL right now with Lamar Jackson, and these two are the most electric since Michael Vick probably. Yep. So why are you – putting training wheels on somebody like that and and taking away this dynamic, dynamic threat on the ground and making your offense as good as it can be. I understand there's a risk of injury, but these next two seasons are incredibly important for the Cardinals to push as hard as they can toward making the playoffs, pushing for a Super Bowl. And to get there, you have to take risks. And the risk you need to take is to have Kyler Murray run the ball because that is arguably your biggest strength on offense is having this quarterback that is just an unbelievably athletic player, and you can't just have him sitting in the pocket. You need to use that. All right. Speaking of a big season, speaking of running the ball, uh, here's some quotes that appear on azcardinals.com over the offseason. You guys identify the player. Quote, it's now or never. I'm ready to run through a damn wall. I'm going to ball out this year. I read it all, bro. I believe if I have 20 touches in a game, I can make some special things happen. And and here's here's your giveaway. If you still don't have it, well, now Kyle, Kyle, I'm just I'm just the enjoying quotes. the yeah. quotes. Yeah. Now now I went back to two, and hopefully I can change my life. 
wow, there's a powerful quote on a number change. He yeah, wants to be that, called Deuce, and that would be? That was Chase Edmonds, one of the more unforgettable interviews I've ever done. Yeah, it was, it was awesome hearing him and hearing how excited he is for this opportunity. And it's certainly lining up like this for Chase Edmonds to get his chance to be a starting running back in the NFL for the first time in his career, backing up David Johnson early, backing up Kenyon Drake the last couple seasons. And now they're kind of handing him the keys to the car and saying, yeah, we've got James Conner and we expect him to be our big back compliment. But Chase Edmonds, if you show the efficiency you've shown the last two years, I think they're going to lean on him and, and Chase is ready for that opportunity. Is he? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, didn't you ask him, is he a 20-carry type of running back? And didn't he even he admit that, well, I'm not exactly sure, but I'll give you 15 carries and 15 receptions? I'm sorry, 15 carries and five receptions to get to 20? Game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not hung up on that. Are you guys? Like, if you give no. Chase Edmonds 20 touches, that's plenty. Well, a little bit. A little How bit. many do you Why? need? You need to give him 30? Because I saw it in my against Miami last year, and it didn't work so well. He averaged less than three yards a carry. Yeah, but we're talking about – 15 to 20 not what did he get 25 carries so definitely bringing that down and, I think he, and we Miami all agree was a really good defense it's not That's 25 and he doesn't want, like you said he doesn't want 25 I don't think anybody here thinks Chase Edmonds should get 25 carries but no. if he's he's 12 to 14 ish well let me let me ask this four question, catches if, if so are you thinking James Conner should be the main back that's my inclination right now. Wow. Yes, the main back and Chase is a change of pace, is the third down back uh, with a little bit more, a little bit more of a one-two the, in the rotation, a little bit more than just a typical third down back. But yeah, I, James Conner at this point, you know, if you're going to be trying to run through the tackles in the NFC West, Niners are going to be stout again, Aaron Donald and company. Uh, Seahawks, we'll see what their defense is all about. But, um, you know, they have some young interior D linemen that blossomed last year for Seattle. So, and considering the rest, uh, especially the way the Cardinals are going to start the season against two physical defenses with, you know, you got a Mike Vrabel and you have a Mike Zimmer, that's their mindset. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. If, when Steve Kime talks about playing more physical, I don't think he's just talking about the defense. I think he's talking See, about I, the offense. It's it's awesome, I, you know. And I, as we sit here in the middle of July, as we talk about this stuff, it's going to be very interesting because clearly Kyle and I come down on one side, and you come down on another side of what this offense is going to look like this off season. Or Wolf. I mean, I, I just I feel like there's this assumption that it's going to look completely different, and they're going to get super physical, and that's just I just do not see it. Do not see it at all. I, look. I may be okay. We may need to edit this out later because this, this, this. The best points start like that. This borders as a Skip Bayless hot take. But honestly, if we're in the trust tree right now, I wonder if Steve Kime, the GM, is trying to force some of this physicality on the Arizona Cardinals 2021. For example, drafting a Zayvon Collins and saying, guess what? He's going to be a starter from day one, looking right in the camera, calling a shot, and then telling Jordan Hicks Incorporated, Team Jordan Hicks, you can seek a trade. I wonder if by bringing in personnel like Rodney Hudson and Brian Winters and James Conner, he's trying to load the offensive meeting rooms with players who are more inclined to being physical and thus removing said options of being a 20% plus 10 personnel team leading the league by far in that category, trying to remove the possibility of playing laterally and going straight ahead. I wonder if he's trying to deal the cards 
that can only be played in a certain way, if you will. If, if we're if we're going to be in the trust tree, Paul, yeah. I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, right. I, I think ultimately... You can only make so many recipes if I give you these groceries. To quote the famous Bill Parcells, I, right, the all-timer, like, if I'm going to be the I, chef, I, know, I need to be the shopping for the groceries. Well, guess what? Here are the groceries. You're not going to be able to make some sort of French fricassee with this. No, you're going to make meat and potatoes. I know this is going to. This is not going to come. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather not have this played out myself as I say this. But you, 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 you messed up if you hired Cliff Kingsbury and then want to come back and do that if you're Steve Kahn, well, which I just don't think that's the case. Isn't there room to mesh both? And if you do have both elements in your offense, Whoa. isn't that close to being lethal? Where a defense has to prepare well, for a power a run game and some of the other aspects of a Cliff Kingsbury spread. I'm not. I'm not saying. And, and Kyle, someday you'll get to talk. But I, I would say that I don't disagree with meshing them. But the 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 vibe you are giving right now is not meshing them it's changing the offense i'm not saying completely change the dna i'm saying when you are fourth and less than a yard at the goal line before halftime at new england then now you put the quarterback under center and you have 230 something pound james connor coming downhill that instead of oh we're in the shotgun and we're giving it to chase edmonds and we're already starting four yards in the hole that's possible i think Short yardage situations, yeah. situational football is fair. But if you if you talk about these resources like you did, James Conner, minimum veteran salary deal, Brian Winters, minimum veteran salary deal, they didn't go out and spend 10 to $12 million on a star-bruising running back. They brought in somebody at the minimum. Brian Winters is competing for the right guard spot. They didn't sign a, a physical bruiser. Rodney Hudson, they spent a lot of money and draft capital on but he's mostly known for his pass protection, which could work for either. And you spent your second-round pick on a slot receiver, which you're not doing if you're going I-form. You're not even using slot receivers when you go 12 personnel, 13 personnel. So I think I think as much as you can focus on these bruiser-type guys, I can make the exact same argument that Rondale Moore is now here, and now you've got four wide receivers. You didn't address the tight end room at all. You've still got Max Williams, Darrell Daniels, and a big question mark. To me, I think it's you're just getting prettier. You're going more four wide. You're doing Chase Edmonds to me is clearly going to get more playing time than James Conner because of the way everything's matching up because of his skill set. I would be very surprised if James Conner outsnapped Chase Edmonds on a consistent basis. If if indeed Rondell Moore is a kid who teleports and he's making guys miss all over the field, sure you play to your strengths and you're going to see ten personnel. But let's not forget everybody is looking for that Tyreek Hill. The other teams in the division went that direction right after Rondell Moore was drafted. Dwayne Eskridge went to Seattle, Tutu Atwell went to the Rams, and they're not running a, ten, a ton of 10 personnel See, either. It's just sort of, it's sort of the, the recent fad, if you will, in the NFL, the copycat league aspect where everybody's looking for that sort of dude. I would say that is true to a the certain I extent. The Andy, if you will. I understand that. Um, <laughs> thanks for driving that home. Um, I, I would agree with Kyle, though. And honestly, though, while I can see what you're talking about with Moore, and you're right, every team is looking for that guy, um, I think it's the tight end thing that has caught my attention more. I mean, so if you're really going to go heavy tight end all the time or use the tight end more often, this is, this is kind of where you are. You're not... I mean, well, I, I mean, don't think we're going to have mandatory psycho okay. out there. Yeah, if you're going 13 personnel, do you have a third tight end to use? 
Yeah, his name is Josh, Josh Jones. Jones. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I mean, they, they started yeah. using him fairly oh, yeah. frequently the last no, two months right. of the year. And you're that's right. tro- probably true, or J.J. Watt, who can catch passes. Yeah. And and Remember, but, there's a prop bet out there. Okay, yeah. will he or will he not catch a pass in 2021? Please keep bringing it up because this right. is uh, right. I say he will. Darren says he will. Of course, uh, Kyle. If it's going to go that far, Kyle, yeah. I'm 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 literally going to go to Cliff and and suggest it, or at least Kenny Bell, and say you need to tell Cliff do something just to, so I can put it in Kyle's face. Go ahead. Once again, 2014 was the last time he caught a pass. That's why it's going to catch defenses unawares. They're going to see J.J. Watt run on that field. Have you seen the track record of the team he was just playing for and how they've been misusing personnel? Yeah, it's like, oh, he's only got Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. That's right. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, you okay. guys lost that when one Tom before the Savage was started. playing. So, you know what? There is the 30-year-old factor that ties all these names together. Whether it's Rodney Hudson, Brian Winters, J.J. Watt, whether it's a Malcolm Butler. Okay, but we're talking offense right now. So how about A.J. Green? He, Guys, you know, somebody just asked me a real generic question about the Cardinals in this year, and, and I said, well, and the first thing I thought of was, man, will the 30-somethings deliver? Because we started this podcast by saying the known and the unknown. Well, the known is, once upon a time, all these players I just named were spectacular. Some of them recently have been, some of them more removed. you got to go back to 2018 for James Conner, really when he was that guy. And his running backs coach, by the way, was James Saxon, who was the current Cardinals running backs coach. A.J. Green, you have to go back two years because of the foot injury in 19 and really a non-season a year ago for a variety of reasons. So how big a question mark, Darren, to you, is A.J. Green when you talk about wide receiver two behind DeAndre Hopkins? Well, since I really haven't had a chance to interact with A.J. Green a whole lot, it's bad for me to like already get into uh, potentially getting on his bad side. But I think he's a big question mark, and I think that's only fair. And I, and I think if A.J. Green really you know, looked at it with perspective, he'd understand why. I'm not saying he's not going to be super successful, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to have a chip on his shoulder to show everybody. Um, but I think he would understand that being on the outside, I mean, how else would you – interpret that um I do think he has a chance to do some things especially when defenses are going to be looking so closely at DeAndre Hopkins um but but we don't know we don't know where a guy is at at this age um you know you brought it up a few podcasts ago you know Larry Fitzgerald kind of having a renaissance in in the in the right circumstances with the right quarterback um and and having those three straight hundred catch seasons you know I don't I don't know what AJ Green's going to be able to provide you and I don't think it's fair to necessarily look at straight statistics. It's going to be how he produces on the field and how he fits with everything else. He's not going to be the number one receiver. He's not going to put up a thousand yard season. I don't believe so. And that doesn't mean he can't have a very, very good season getting you 800 yards. Could I, could I say that the fact he's not the number one receiver for the first time in his career might be the catalyst or pave the way for a pretty productive year because DeAndre Hopkins is the guy, whereas A.J. Green has spent his entire career as being that guy getting all that attention. It's always possible. I mean, again, if this passing offense and this offense in general can get some consistency, you're going to get more opportunities. I mean, again, statistics can only be generated and compiled is if your offense is very effective and you have the ball a lot. And if you can't do that, then everybody's numbers are going to go down. Well, because if he isn't the outside guy, Kyle, think of the trickle-down effect. If he is the outside guy, then all of a sudden Christian Kirk can go inside, which I think we all agree suits his skill set better. He's more comfortable at. But 
if A.J. Green is not reliable and is not productive at the outside, now all of a sudden guys are getting outside their norms a little bit, and that might skew the entire rotation. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't think A.J. Green is not going to play, so I, I feel like he's definitely going to be on the outside. Injury history is something you'd be concerned about, so you're right there where if he gets hurt, Christian Kirk moves outside, Rondell Moore is still on the slot, so you're okay, but it's maybe not optimal. But with A.J. Green, the most interesting thing to me is the money they gave him. We're not talking about the veteran minimum salary. It was, I think, $6 million in a depressed free agent market so they think that A.J. Green can still play, clearly. And it wasn't $12 million. It wasn't a guy that is coming off a nice season. They they you know had to fight a bunch of people for him. But $6 million in this market was still a lot. It was more than Malcolm Butler. Hassan Reddick was around there. So it was a good chunk of change. And if he can live up to that, then this offense definitely has that next level, as we're talking about with Kyler. If A.J. Green plays really well and has the numbers, that means that intermediate passing game is working because I think that's where he's going to feast in this offense. He's going to be that intermediate guy. And, yeah, I agree. It's one of the big question marks. How is Kyler going to do passing the ball, and what does A.J. Green bring to the table? Once again, the amazing stat from last year, 104 targets, just 47 receptions. That was the lowest percentage in the NFL. How many of those passes were catchable? He had three quarterbacks, including the rookie, who was getting harassed and and eventually knocked out for the season with injury. He was always getting a lot of attention from defensive backfields. The foot injury, now two years removed from that. He's off the turf, which has a bad reputation. Even, even the fact they didn't even have a practice bubble, he would have to practice in the cold and on the turf in Cincinnati. So there's a lot of reasons you can put together. There's a lot of guys who believe A.J. Green is poised for an NFL Comeback Player of the Year type season. And the fact he's just motivated getting out of Cincinnati. Hello, Carson Palmer. I mean, when you reach 33 years old, I think it's always a question, especially with that injury history, whether he can do it. So I'd like to see what he looks like in camp, how it's going before I say he's going to be in that type of that type of running. Um, but yeah, I mean... It, is it possible? Sure, it's AJ Green. We've all yeah. we all know the natural talent within him. It's just can he still do it at this age after several significant injuries? And by the way, he has a reputation as practicing really hard, like being a Larry Fitzgerald type in practice, taking it very seriously, competing. So A, keep your eye on number eighteen, and B, keep your eye, especially on number eighteen, when he's going against Robert Alford. <laughs> That's going to be a heavyweight battle in and, camp. And I also think for the first time, if he's not getting a great catch rate and a great yards per target, they're not just going to keep feeding A.J. Green the ball like they did every single season in Cincinnati. You've obviously got D-Hop, but Kyler Murray has great chemistry with Christian Kirk. Rondale Moore is the new kid on the block with that jitterbug style. I mean, there's three other guys that want the ball a lot. So A.J. Green, I think, has to show early on that, hey, I am definitely your legitimate number two option and and look for me a lot. But the 30-year-old they invested the most in, which Darren made the point, Rodney Hudson, the new center, and uh, they were all too happy to swing a deal with the Raiders and bring him down. And so not only does he have that experience, he didn't have a penalty last year. Think about that. We probably haven't mentioned that enough in the offseason. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals led the NFL in 2020 in penalty flags. That's something they must remedy. You cannot beat yourself in the NFL. That's a good point. I mean, I talk about pro football focus grades a lot, and I think the way you played last year, blocking, run blocking, pass blocking, is much more predictive than penalties, but 
penalties can really hurt you on drives, especially holding penalties. When you lose 10 yards, I mean, your drive is pretty much shot. When you're first and 20 or second and 17, you're in a really bad spot. So the fact that he doesn't get penalized, I think, speaks to his talent, where if he doesn't get beat, he doesn't have to hold. So it's easier to do that. And I think DJ Humphreys is at the point where he does a nice job blocking and he's not going to have to hold. So, like, they have the talent to not have those penalties. To me, it's don't get the pre-snap ones either. The 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 yep. false starts were bad last year. Yeah. You can't hold. You can't do the false starts because I think they have enough talent to not fall into that trap. But, yeah, if you get penalties, that's rough. It's yeah, always, pa- Patrick it's, Peterson led the NFL in penalties a year ago between Pat P. and Mason Cole, yeah. the former center. I mean, you need two hands to and, count all those penalties. And those are talent-related, right, because Pat P. was getting beat and he's grabbing on. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a mental thing. It wasn't pre-snap stuff with Mason Cole and Pat P., you, we were losing our battle, and we were trying to make up for it. Uh, so what do you think it means for this offensive line overall, Darren? I mean, we've cited the analytics in the offseason. They were number three in pass block win rate with ESPN. There was the recent stat that came out, survival analysis, saying the Cardinals were number one in best hurry probability of Kyler Murray. Uh, is he is he more apt and able now to sit in the pocket at his stature when a Rodney Hudson is holding the point? Well, I got to be honest, guys. When I uh, go in, in deep into my thoughts uh, in a darkened room, um, I, I've said all along this offseason that Rodney Hudson was, to me, the most important acquisition. I, I'm kind of wrestling with that a little bit, uh, losing some sleep at night because now I'm kind Stand of feeling. Stand firm in your convictions. Kind of feeling like J.J. Watt could end up being that guy. But um, I, I still think Hudson is so important, even if he doesn't end up number one on my personal list. Um, because I just think that he's going to bring a, you know, it, it settles down that whole situation. I mean, I, I think there was the, the center position has been a very interesting one for this team for a number of years. I mean, they had AQ Shipley uh, originally, and then they had to bring back in 2015 Lyle Senline because AQ wasn't quite doing what they wanted in that training camp. And then the next year, AQ finally took over, and I think he did a solid job. Uh, but they drafted Evan Bame to replace him, and that did not work. And then they eventually drafted Mason Cole to replace him, who he did end up replacing him, but that didn't really work either. And I just think that's it's a position that this is the best center that this team has had in, you know, I you can argue potentially the best center they've had since I've been covering the team in 2000. They signed Mike Grudadoria as a free agent off the Super Bowl winning Rams back in 2000. He was okay. And that Cardinals team wasn't all that great. Um, but I think Rodney Hudson's the best center they've had. And I, I do think it's going to have a trickle-down effect on this offense. Well, when Kyler did a uh, round of media interviews, it was early in the uh, league year, the new league year, and he went on the Rich Eisen show. And, and he sort of asked him a big-picture question about the Cardinals offense and the up-and-down nature, the inconsistency of it, the hot start, and then the lackluster finish. And his comment was, well, we have to, quote, take care of the little things, pay more attention to detail, and really respect the little things, quote, end quote, Kyla Murray. I think of Rodney Hudson when I think of that. I think of a guy who's known as a leader, a no-nonsense kind of guy, a demanding guy. I think of J.J. Watt on the other side of the ball. And I think of Steve Kime and company trying to bring in that sort of leadership, almost leadership from the inside out that'll set that tone, that expectation, and that standard and I'm now begging that we're almost out of time because Kyle's ready to unload here and disagree. Uh, yeah, I don't think that leadership 
from Rodney Hudson matters one iota. Um, <laughs> but I do think that tennis, what, anyone, <laughs> when he does get to the line of scrimmage and he can figure out what a defensive uh, blitz, what blitz is coming or what package they're doing, point out to the rest of the offensive linemen and Kyler Murray what's coming. I think that's humongous. So that's maybe you can put that under leadership. And I also think that because of Kyler Murray's height, the fact that if he can say stout at the point of attack like he's been doing his entire career and not let those defensive tackles push him back, that's big for Kyler Murray's vision where he doesn't have the 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 center and the defensive tackle coming within a yard of his face or two feet of his face. So I think I think that part of it is important too. I think Rodney Hudson is a very integral part of this offensive line, just not the leadership part. That's good. You know what? Uh Thankfully, thankfully, we're getting the rap sign from Jim Omohundro. <laughs> so the whole leadership, uh, John McEnroe, back and forth, uh, will have to wait, obviously. So, obviously. you know, because uh, once again, when Kyle does dismiss leadership entirely, uh, I do go John McEnroe. You cannot be serious. <laughs> and that'll do it for Cardinals Underground. <laughs>